It's believed that about eight or nine shots were fired at the Gardaí. This went on for about two and a half hours, and he, eventually he decided to come out of the house half naked. He will be charged with offences as grave as attempted murder in relation to what happened. It is a miracle, considering the weaponry involved and the recklessness of the situation, that we're not dealing with something that's a whole lot more tragic. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. The chaotic life of gangland thug Daniel Goulding became an abrupt and dramatic theatre when he was led from his mother's Blanchardstown home two hours after a crazy shootout with Gardaí turned his neighbourhood into the Wild West. The 38-year-old is likely to face serious charges in connection with the events which saw two Gardaí injured with gunshot wounds and a media blackout during a shocking standoff. Today, I'm talking to Irish independent crime correspondent Ken Foy, who's been writing about Goulding and his associates for years. He says the dangerous criminal fired recklessly at Gardaí minutes after they responded to a 999 call and that both are lucky to be alive. He traces the path that brought Goulding to that final showdown of his own making as one that is soaked in blood, death and chaos and which goes right into the dark heart of the notorious Westies mob. A gang who've left an indelible mark on the Dublin suburb for more than two decades after they held power. This is Crime World Extra, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Daniel Gould and Ken, uh, somebody you've been writing about for more years than you care to remember, I imagine. Daniel Goulding, he'd be considered a, a a very reckless and volatile North Dublin criminal. He would have been associated mm. with the notorious Westies gang that, I suppose, 20 years ago wreaked havoc in Dublin. Um, Goulding and his and his brother, um, they they were key members of uh, this gang and. Basically, an implosion happened within that organisation, which led to multiple uh, violent incidents, and and they're still going on till this day. And it's actually the root of the shocking scenes really. that we saw yesterday. Yeah, the Westies, for people who don't remember, they kind of started around the mid to late nineties. The Shane Shane Coates and and Stephen Sugg were the two key players teenagers from Blanchardstown who were being arrested kind of in their late teenage years and were being, you know, very concerning to guards. The usual kind of um, route into it, they started with petty crime, moved to armed robberies, more serious stuff, and eventually straight into drug dealing where the real money is made. But they stood out because of their violence, didn't they? They were kind of that first gang um, that were just really, really fueled on, on violence when they collected their drug debts. Absolutely, and they were involved in torturing people, you know, innocent people over very small amounts of drug debts. And their violence, I suppose, almost became legendary. It was This was the start of the Celtic Tiger, the cocaine boom. And these guys, this gang, um, which um, D- Daniel was part of, uh, you know, a junior part of, were really, um, you know, one of the first um, 
mobs to benefit from the cocaine trade um, that mm. boomed during those Celtic Tiger eras. And uh, what happened then was, you know, they they were using their own products, as was ha- as we've seen with loads of other gangs, and uh, they eventually imploded. Um, the two gang mm. leaders, Suggs and Coates, were murdered in Spain, I think, in uh, 2005. And once once they were gone, all hell broke loose, and uh, a feud began between... Um, uh, Daniel and some of his associates, um, his older brother, and a, another senior Westies guy, Jason J. O'Connor. And again, the, the mm. level of violence, the shootings that were happening in this feud were unbelievable. Um, it should be no surprise almost that, I guess, the scenes that happened yesterday, the, these guys just used machine pistols with impunity. Um, mm. There's mm. there's a famous incident uh, it dates back to 2004. Um, the two Goulding brothers, um, Daniel and his older brother David, were arrested in relation to a, a matter on Christmas Day, a serious crime matter. They were questioned at Blanchardstown Guard Station, but their big rival, Jason J. O'Connor, was waiting outside a Chinese restaurant, we kind of, which at the time faced the station, and was letting off shots from a machine gun at them. Um, so... That's what seventeen years ago, and here we are now. And two guards, two guards are in it hospital. Sound, this sounds afternoon. like the um, it sounds like the Wild West when you describe it like that. The Sug and Coates before they fled to Spain and they went kind of to get away from trouble here, but also they fancied their chances on the Costa Blanca um, and becoming something in Spain. But they sort of left. Control of their interests here with Bernard Verb Sugg, who was a younger brother um, of Stephen. And he was the first to die, I think, in 2003. Um, he was shot dead. And after that, the Gouldings, did they kind of go with the, the Glennon brothers uh, or did they go against them? Were they kind of hopping constantly, the Gouldings, from, from one side to another as the, the thing got more and more complex, the feud. Yes, you're, you're talking about essentially very reckless criminals um, who, you know, guards that know them would say that, you know, there may even be mental health issues there. This, their, their criminal behaviour was certainly not structured. Mm. They, they could go from one side to the other. They were... Um, as you know, Nicola, covering organised crime for all these years, they um, aligned themselves with the likes of Mika Kelly, known as the panda in mm. the media, um, Eamon Dunn. Um, they were in, in suspective involvement in the murder of uh, traveller criminals. Um, they kind of went with what was going, you know. They were, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, prototypes of using their own product as well. You know, these are heavy drug users, very reckless criminals. And uh, throughout, uh, you know, the irony of the shocking developments of yesterday is a machine pistol is used. This this has been used mm. against them. It's been used uh, by them. It's It's the way they've carried on for actually 20 years. You, when you say the Wild mm. West, you really, you really put the nail on the head on it, as far as I can see. That's what it is, and and they like we talk about criminals being career criminals, and I suppose gathering wealth and power along the way. But 
they seem to be, Daniel Goulding seems to be somebody who is too chaotic to do that. Is he showing any wealth or, you know, why is he back in his mother's house um, shooting at two guardy who come to the door? Uh, you know what, Nicola? Simply he has nowhere else to go. You know, this is a guy um, to, from inquiries this morning that has been served with uh, two uh, gym forms, uh, warning of an active threat against his life from Jason J. O'Connor and his associates. Um, since, he, you know, since um, O'Connor has been released from prison, these, these are guys that uh, have put Daniel into absolute terror um, it's offered up as an excuse by um, just from speaking to some of his associates before I was talking to you as a as a reason for almost an excuse that he had these firearms to, shooting at the guards that he was put in such a paranoid state that um, he gym forms are issued on him. He's worried he doesn't know who's coming to the house. He's in a reckless frame of mind and he's firing at at Gardy. Outrageous behaviour, but. Uh, certainly a man that's not in his right frame of mind. Yeah, you can see you can see the wheels have completely come off there. When was Jay O'Connor released and what was he what sentence was he serving? My information is that he was released in February and um he was serving a sentence in relation to threatening to kill Gardy when um they uh, raided his house. I think it was a uh, made famous on a Virgin Media documentary uh, last year. There was uh, shocking footage of his vile threats to Gardy in relation to the matter. They were following an incident where he'd stabbed someone over a drug debt in a pub in Clonee. And of course, that was the K, which is this district, really, which has been terrorised by these people. I mean, these are the remnants of the Westies group, that organisation that has held a lot of the communities in the Blanchardstown, Clonsill area to ransom for years through fear. Exactly, and we've we've seen a residue of that as well in relation to a, a feud. It's, it's died down, and a lot of it's to do with good policing. But there was um, two two or three years ago in Cardiff, um, again, remnants of this old gang. You know, the, it, this is the sons of the fathers, the, basically the, the, the kids of guys that were in the Westies 20 years ago, running amok. Again, shooting on the streets, loads of incidents, stabbings in guards in within guard stations. It's uh, it was a crazy situation, you know. A, a lot of those participants now are behind bars, are facing charges. The guardie seem to have a handle on that particular one. But um, look, this this is stuff that's going back to, I guess, the eighties, the nineties, to the westies, really. Yeah. And I'd say it takes very little for a feud to erupt. There's only a little bit of accelerant needed because there seems to be constant constant fires burning out around there anyway. It must be a very difficult area to police. Well, it, it, is, it has been traditionally described as the busiest decay district, as the busiest guarded district in the country. And you're talking about an area that you have Blanchardstown and all the way up to, you know, County Mead. But also, those guardia are policing... Um, Fingless, um, which is traditionally and still has serious gangland problems, and all the way into Cabra, um, which, again, um, certain areas of it have very serious problems. So it is definitely one of the busiest districts in, in the city that we know of anyway. Um, what is likely to occur? Look, we know this guy probably isn't going to walk free for a file to be sent to the DPP, is he? Um, that's highly unlikely, Um what happened yesterday was that 
Um, it's believed there was an altercation between uh, Mr. Goulding and a, a female. Um, after that, um, Gardy received a 999 call of shots fired in the area. Two detectives from Blanchardstown Guard Station um, responded to the incident, knowing after, you know, there was a recently served uh, gym form on this suspect. Um, there had been reports of shots fired. They arrived up, and once they got into the estate, which is, you know, full of decent law-abiding people, by the way, uh, it was all quiet. So they drove to uh, the individual's house, and um, as soon as they pulled up outside, they were confronted by gunshots from a machine pistol. Uh, it's believed one detective, in an attempt to save his own life, actually had to basically get out of the other side of the car um, and both had to cower down. But it's believed that about eight or nine shots were fired at the Gardaí. Um, they returned some fire. Uh, a standoff ensued. Uh, a siege situation, if you like. The Gardaí had declared a media blackout. Um, this went on for about two and a half hours. And eventually... There was trained uh, specialist guardian negotiators, as well as a detective that knows um, Mr. Gooling. And he, eventually he decided to come out of the house half naked and um, not before throwing out two firearms. Um, machine pistol, which had, still had one bullet in the breech, and a handgun. Both of these weapons are believed to have been used in the shots that were fired at Gardy. So... What's happening now is he's in custody in Blanchardstown Guard Station. Um, he's been assessed, but it is quite possible that uh, he will be charged with offences as grave as attempted murder in relation to what happened. Well, he certainly didn't seem to give them much time to, to do anything or to say anything before he opened fire on them. Um, I'm hearing all day that they were only minor injuries, etc. My feeling on it would be, I don't know whether you agree with me or not, this was indiscriminate fire from an absolutely out-of-control criminal um, who could have hit those either of those men anywhere. There could have been a bullet through the heart, through any of the vital organs. They were, you know, it was a miracle really where they were shot, but it wasn't because he was aiming to make the least amount of damage, to cause the least amount of damage. It was just simply where the bullets landed. Nicola, of course, you're completely right. Um a machine pistol, it's an absolutely lethal weapon. And he was basically spraying, uh, the Gardaí have described it to me as spraying shots at them. Um, these are high-velocity rounds. Look, you're completely right in, in the sense for uh, the two guards to be both shot in the foot and one of them suffering a superficial injury to his um, arm, is, or to, sorry, to his hand, it's a complete, it is a complete miracle. It could have been anywhere. It could be in their head. It wouldn't, you know, it could have been anything. Um, it's, it's amazing that the uh, two officers aren't more seriously injured. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of not what an ordinary person expects to confront when they go out to do a day's work. It just shows the kind of things that the guards in the K district are facing. I mean, a criminal with as many convictions as Daniel Goulding has to have firearms, to be able to purchase them, um, not to be afraid of being searched or being you know, caught with them. It, it just shows really how easy it is for them to, to get these kind of weaponry as well, doesn't it? 
Well, yes, sir. despite the pandemic, there is uh, no shortage of uh, weapons in this country. And uh, the information I've gleaned, I suppose, this afternoon is that th- this man had, a, had this little arsenal of weapons because of his fear that he was uh, going to be under active threat by um, his former rival and their associates. And uh, he's he possibly a man that's, you know, suffering from mental health issues anyway, like many of our serious criminals in this country, um, which is often fueled by drugs as well. But uh, he was a man that uh, let loose yesterday and it, got a, it could have been an awful lot worse. It really could have. It sure could. I mean, last in the last couple of years, we had a similar enough incident in Ballymun when Derek Butler Devoy, another very volatile criminal that has been around for decades, um, ran amok, as the judges at the Special Criminal Court called it with a gun, and had to be subdued by three unarmed guards who wrestled him to into a bath in his house. And uh, when they did, a grenade rolled out of his pocket and thankfully didn't go off. Uh, all of those guardy were very lucky to have survived that, and one of them was almost shot in the head. And these are kind of um, the situations that they're being greeted with. From my experience, I don't know whether you you feel the same way, but if these very dangerous criminals from these very dangerous gangs live into their 40s or are still at liberty or free, they can either, um, I don't know whether it's that that decade of your life, you tend to navel gaze a little bit or else go mad, but uh, they tend to do either. You find a lot of them start looking back at their lives and what they've done and they feel very disappointed with it. Uh, but some of them can really kind of be very, very badly affected by the that that level of drug use over a protracted time. Um, and, and possibly that's what's happened in this case with Goulding. We look forward to see what comes out of this in the next few days and any information on how those guards are or are they are they still in hospital do you know Ken? Yeah the, this afternoon the, the two guardy are, are still in hospital and um, thankfully those injuries are not life-threatening um, I believe that one of them is going to require plastic surgery on an ankle injury um, but it could have been a whole lot worse Um you know, it, it, you could only imagine this this time yesterday with those guys going on their shift. They wouldn't have imagined that they were going to be confronted by this kind of madness. Um, you know, four hours later, um, and even you know, I think the chief superintendent last night in a late night press conference pointed out it's like th- these are people that have families too. Of course, the two officers, two detectives. One of them is uh, has been six year service, the other is about twelve year service. Um both would be kind of very highly respected uh Gardaí operating in a very difficult area of the city. And um it would have been a very difficult difficult call that um uh, someone had to make to their families yesterday. You know, we again this was a a thing that was, you know, was all over social media and like there is pictures of the of the two officers being carted into the ambulance and stuff, but it's absolutely horrific uh, what happened. It really is. And look, it is a miracle, considering the weaponry involved and the recklessness of the situation, that we're not dealing with something that's a whole lot more tragic. We thank God for some miracles. Ken Foy, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Nicola. 
from sundayworld.com. This is Crime World, produced by Ian Mullaney. Available online and on all podcast platforms. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review. And if you want to get in touch, check out our Facebook page, Crime World with Nicola Talent. <laughs>